Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Now we're at a point where it's not like you're picking up where you left off because there's still some things that we're trying to to apply. But we know Fave, obviously. Boyan's back, and now it's just a question of integrating. And I think the biggest thing for us, when we talk about these things, we're kind of, we tilt towards offense. And what this group needs to do is continue to focus on the defense. And there's, you know, adjusting to one another defensively is, it's real. You know, so you can adjust to each other on the offensive end, but at the same time, defensively, we've got to do the same thing. So we've got more feedback on that from the season this past year in the bubble, and we know some things that we want to emphasize. There's Quinn Snyder as the Jazz get ready for the preseason, which is now down to a good and proper and right-sized three games. Liking that, it tips off tomorrow night. Quinn's talking about defense. It's, uh, man, feels like we're home again, doesn't it, PK? Quinn on defense. And we're talking about Fave. I love Fave. <laughs> All right, it's the Jazz and the Suns tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. You can listen to it on The Zone. The game will be on TV, AT&T Sportsnet, and NBA TV. 7 o'clock tip, 6 o'clock for the pregame. You watching for anything specifically? I mean, it's a preseason it's game. A preseason so. game? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be watching if see if BYU could beat San Diego State. <laughs> there you go. All right, Chris Paul joined the Suns during the offseason, as did the former Jazz man Jay Crowder. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. You were uh you saw some folks picking Phoenix as high as six in the West. A oh, reaction. Yeah. That was on NBA uh, NBA radio, and I'm boycotting NBA radio. How dare they? <laughs> It is stacked west. That seems like a massive jump. It, it, I agree, man. It really does. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. I owe him a trophy. I owe him a trophy. That's what I owe this organization. This is uh, a, a window that we're trying to capture. And uh, my commitment and my job is to try to bring a title here. That's Paul George. That all sounds good, PK, but there have been a lot of uh, three for 14s and two for 16s in big playoff games. So that sounds awesome in December, and it's uh, probably all true. But the question is, are we really going to see it when we get to the playoffs? Well, you only got one team who wins it, so the odds are against you if you look at it that way. And they're not the best team, so that even increases the odds against them. But I like what he's saying. I owe them a trophy. I don't think that I've ever heard anybody say that when they've received this big money that he's getting. And what, it could be up to like a $225 million, something yep. like along those lines, four-year deal, starts at the 190 So, I mean, that's a, just a massive amount of money. It's just generational changing. So I like he says that. And he's probably not going to get it. Most teams don't. You know, that's like uh, college teams. Like I say, you know, you want to win the conference or win the division and then go to the playoff. Well, Truth is, you're probably not going to do that, but talk about it. You know that that, that or at least at least have that uh, as the objective. You can talk about it too much, but when he says it at the time, I'm okay with him saying it. Four years and 190 million, and he's going to get uh, 36 million this season. He's already in a contract for that, so that's how you end up with the five years and 226. Staggering amounts of money, man, for a, a decent player. I would label him 
as a very good player. I wouldn't label him as a slam dunk roll out the Hall of Fame speech. Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving have each been fined $25,000 by the NBA for failure to comply with the league's media rules. Irving has declined numerous requests to speak to reporters, including those from ESPN, since training camp opened December 1. Seems like uh, when you've had numerous requests over 11 days, it took them a long time to get around to this. He could have uh, he could have avoided this. I mean, he <laughs> want to. 11 days. I mean, this is his drama. This is what yeah. he wants. And another one of the reasons that uh, neither one of us believe the Nets are going to do all the stuff they want to do. It's not worth the headaches, man. Yeah. When, when he's 55 years old, he's going to look back and say, man, that was just so stupid. T.J. Warren, Indiana Pacers, could miss the start of the season. Plantar fasciitis in his right foot is listed as week-to-week. Not day-to-day, PK. Week-to-week. I like it. They're mixing it up. Well, I'm listed as back-to-back, belly-to-belly. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. Well, it has been a strange year, and, and nothing is normal this year, which has been a challenge and a challenge for everyone in the country. And so we're just taking them one at a time, just like we do every year. You know, we never get ahead of ourselves and, and look past any opponent. Colorado's a good football team. They're 4-0. They're 4-0 for a reason. It's just not happenstance, and they've, they've played good football, and, and they got a lot of st- uh, good things going for them. So that's our entire focus. We don't even know who we play after that, literally. We can't look past Colorado because we don't know what, what the next uh, next opponent's going to be. And so all our attention, efforts, and energy is is on the Buffaloes. Utah and Colorado, 10 a.m. Fox, Big Fox, Fox 13 locally. Uh, your pregame show will start here at 9 on the zone, and it's going to be cold weather, PK. There's going to be some snow Friday night and Saturday afternoon, but starting this early, they may escape that or escape most of it, but it's going to be cold. Feels like this ought to be old school, ground and pound. Both teams trying to run the ball. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Utah's got to have some success through the air, though. I mean, I don't know if they can just simply just run the ball the whole time. Uh, for that matter, neither can Colorado because Utah's defense isn't going to allow you to run the ball all the time and run for 250 yards and win the game. So, and I'm not worried about the weather. The weather's the same for both teams. This is the quality of the team. This is, this is a huge game for Colorado because now the Utes have played three games so you can't go and say wow they weren't prepared and all that stuff I mean you can say that against SC in that first game after SC had already had a couple ball games under their belts and the Utes had nothing and now you know it's just one game difference and Colorado's trying to make a statement here that hey we're legit and they are ranked and all that stuff they've been obviously clearly the surprise of the Pac-12 Darrell's the runaway coach of the year in the conference the coach of the half season I guess you would say uh, and this is for Colorado to prove some form of legitimacy, this means a lot. So in that way, in a completely and totally jacked up season, it has a little more intrigue. And it's the fact that it's the Utes playing, so we're going to be involved in that simply because they're playing. Are the Utes going to stay turnover free after nine turnovers and those two losses? Zero in the victory. So see if the Utes avoid the, uh, the turnover disasters and see how big an impact that has on that game. 10 a.m. the kickoff, 9 a.m. the pregame show here on The Zone, 10 a.m. on Fox. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. 
Multiple reports out there. Utah State set to hire Arkansas State head coach Blake Anderson as the Aggies' new head coach. Official announcement could be made as early as today. All that news overshadowing the regular season finale. Utah State 1-5, Colorado State 1-3. Tomorrow night, 7.30 on the CBS Sports Network. But that's one game to wrap it up, PK, and then it's on to the future. And Blake Anderson is apparently the Aggies' future. Well, he is. The, yeah, he's, I mean, Arkansas State already announced that Blake Anderson is leaving. So it's, it is. It's not apparently. It is. And this is what, you know, Hartwell wanted. Is There's some controversy involved in this. Is Hartwell, as the athletic director, wanted a national search. Now, there was push by others in the athletic department who wanted a local search. And by local, I mean Jay Hill. Hmm. And so. <laughs> Go search Ogden. Yeah, I mean, that that's just the way it is, right? And yeah, it so, is the way it is. It's 100%. And, I totally agree. And so you had that, I don't know if it's a conflict, but a difference of thought process, basically. If you want to call it a conflict, I'm not prepared to call it a conflict. It's just a, a, tra- a, tra- a line of thinking this way, a line of thinking that way. And, you know, one of the other line of thinking, line of thinking, lines of thinking, I guess I should say, is that Utah State Athletic Director, when you get success, you normally move on. And so you're bringing in an outsider in Hartwell, and then you're bringing in an outsider in Blake Anderson. And if they do have success, is Hartwell going to leave? And then what does that mean for Blake Anderson? And Blake Anderson, is he going to want to leave? Now, that's not to say Jay Hill wouldn't have wanted to leave if he all of a sudden did the same great work that he did at Utah State as he's done at Weber. You don't know that. But I'm just saying that's the line of thinking that they went with. And that's not to say Blake Anderson doesn't come in here and give you five great years. And we know if you give somebody five great years and you leave the program in a better position than you found it, that's pretty much all you can ask for, whether the kid was guy was born and raised in Utah or on the other side of the planet. So I think a lot of the alumni, and we can talk to Riley about this when we have him on, but I think a lot of the people around the program are just curious. Okay, he's coming in from the outside. Uh, He's probably going to want to recruit Texas. Is he going to recruit the local kids with the Utes, being able to get four-star kids and going to Texas and California, and with Utah producing more local kids? uh, You know, do you get into the – are you good getting the Polynesian kids? Are you getting good getting recruit uh, return missionaries? When the program's been good, they've been very good in those areas. Does he know that? Is he going to pursue that? Is he going to go a different direction and still have success going a different direction? I don't think I, there is a different direction to go. You try to get the best players you could possibly get. That's all that matters. Nobody cares uh, who your guys are as long as you're winning. And so, yeah, you're going to – not everyone can go to BYU and Utah State – or Utah, for that matter. So, yeah, of course he's going to do that. All right, one more game for the Aggies tomorrow night. They'll wrap it up with CSU. Somebody will get a second win. 7.30 on the CBS Sports Network, and Scotty G will have the pregame show at 6.30. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. I wouldn't say redemption. I just think it's having one loss is way better than two, right? And so I think that's the key for this week is we don't want to end our regular season that way. For us, you know, I feel like we did a great job of actually moving the ball last year. I can't remember quite the rushing game, but I know we threw for over 300 yards in that game. And, you know, know, we did some good things, but we couldn't score. And so that, you know, that's the focus is some high execution and and get the ball into the end zone. You know, not settle for field goals or not settle getting stopped at the 45-yard line this week. Or, yeah, this week. That's Zach Wilson looking ahead. To the San Diego State game tomorrow night. 8 o'clock on ESPN2. The Aztecs come in 4-3. BYU coming in 9-1. and 
The only thing worse than that big loss would be back-to-back losses because it feels like they're the better team and they ought to go get this win. And if they don't, it probably won't be the San Diego State played great. They'll probably be looking back thinking they played poorly. Oh, yeah. You're a San Diego State fan, so I understand your perspective there. Uh, I don't know that they are the better team. I I can't say that. Really? I mean, I know you downgrade and you'd be bad in all San Diego State. It's not about downgrading San Diego State. It's about BYU being 9-1 and one and nationally I mean, ranked. Could be, but BFD, what does that matter? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been saying they're good all along, and now they're going to lose to a 500-ish team know. out of the so, Mountain West. Oh. I can argue that uh, San Diego State's losses are better than BYU's wins, uh, for that matter. I mean, they lost to undefeated Colorado. BYU hasn't played anything close to undefeated Colorado. And they didn't, but, I mean, I, they didn't I, move I the ball to lick in that game. That. I well, know. You're well, they had it. 10 points, PK. It's not about me saying it. They had a defensive touchdown and scored 10 points. The, and That's, that means BYU's better than them. I can't say that. That's why I'm intrigued about this game. I, I got it. You can list all the negatives with San Diego State. I got it. That's what you do. I, I listed the positives that, with BYU, too. But now you're just dismissing those. No, I'm not. I'm saying that I can't say that they're the better team. That's that's my point. I thought they were the better team against Coastal Carolina, except they weren't. So how can I say they're the better team against San Diego State without before the game? I can say it afterward, but I can't say it before. That's my point. Well, the Cougars, I've seen lines favoring them anywhere from 14 to 17 points in this game. So They were 10 for Coastal Carolina. BFD. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. There's more than mornings, Colin. You can't do something as long as I've done it that you just feel a little bit empty. I have a great spot on Fox, and I love Reggie, Matt, Brady, and Rob Stone. We have a great group. I really have uh, absorbed that and embraced it. But to say I don't think about it, it's every day. Uh, but it'd have to be the perfect, perfect situation. It'd have to be something that I was confident that the health issues I could overcome. And, you know, I think I'm done, but I've learned a long time ago, you know, I left a job once where I thought I really plan on being here. Then you get a phone call from a better opportunity. So I think I'm done, but I, I would never say I'm never done. Urban Meyer saying he still thinks about coaching every day, even though he's embraced the TV. Watching him on TV, I do think he's embraced it. I wasn't sure that oh, he did yeah. right away, but I think now... He's way more into it than he was when he started. Well, that's Urban Meyer. You could ask him to go over and dig that ditch, and he's going to dig that ditch to the best of his ability. I mean, he's proven that. This guy is the ultimate winner. So, yeah, I get it. He still thinks about coaching. And who doesn't want to have people call you and have your name out there? That's flattering. And he's really good on Fox, just like he would be really good if he decided he wanted to coach baseball. My guess is that he'd be really good at coaching baseball. I mean, that's just who he is. College football, the Washington-Oregon game is off. The Huskies don't have the 53 scholarship players they need to play, so no game there. That would have decided uh, first place in the north. USC, first place in the south is theirs, even though Colorado's undefeated also, if the Trojans beat UCLA. That game's at 5.30 on ABC. Have you seen enough from UCLA that you think yeah. they can push SC this year, Absolutely. PK? Absolutely. That's the same thing with San Jose State and BYU. I think SC is going to win. But I can't say going in, man, I am like 95% sure that SC is going to win. And I don't know what the line is, 
that should be favoring USC, but it's the same principle that the Bruins, in my mind, have shown enough. They've made improvement. And SC, and they, they, at times they've looked really good, particularly in that first half the other night against Washington State. They looked awesome. But against, you know, Arizona, they needed a last second. They needed a great comeback against the Devils. So what does that mean? I, I suspect that this is going to be a good game. And, and and this is the game where, you know, the cliché, throw out the, the uh, records, blah, blah, blah. I've seen so many times. I've been in person, seen it myself, to know that this has the potential to be a good game. So, yes, I could see an opportunity tomorrow night or we could, we, uh, yeah, tomorrow night when we go to bed, Colorado has won the division. We have seen good USC teams lose to bad UCLA teams. A lot of emotion in the rivalry. Really crazy things happen. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't change how we feel about either team, but UCLA wins nonetheless. Even though you think UCLA is below average and SC is very good. It's happened. Uh, probably the other best game to watch other than that, uh, number 10 Miami, number 17 North Carolina. Obviously Clemson's not playing. Notre Dame's not playing. Arkansas to roll over. Or Alabama ought to roll over Arkansas. So, Carolina-Miami, if you're looking for a game. That's on uh, ABC oh, I got so much local stuff, I'm not going to be paying attention to any of that. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Malcolm Brown's a single back. In motion from his left, it's cut. Goff goes over the top, extends the football, breaks the plane, and punches it in. How do you like me now, says Sean McVay. Take those seven points. More than they had in Super Bowl 53 on their first drive of Thursday night football. First and goal from the two. Cam Akers in motion. Goff rolls away from it. Throws front right pylon. Cooper cut. Makes the catch. And it's a touchdown. The Rams beat the Patriots. The Rams with touchdown drives to open the game and open the third quarter. That third quarter drive, their first was just took forever. It basically took the whole third quarter. They went 24-3. to uh, Akers with 171 yards rushing. That's the big number, the star in this game. But the star was really the Rams' defense completely shutting down the Patriots and Cam Newton. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I figured the Rams would win, obviously, but I didn't think it would be that easy. All right, big games this weekend. Chiefs and Dolphins. A couple of playoff teams there. Colts and Raiders. Colts just barely in. Raiders just barely out. So uh, plenty for those two teams to play for uh, when they go head-to-head. Yeah. Saints and Eagles. Have we heard definitively? Is Taysom getting another start? Is Breeze? Are they playing at coy right to the bitter end? Uh, I, I believe he's. I thought he was starting. Yeah. yeah I, I haven't heard any other. As to me, I would have to hear otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Des Bryant said he registered back-to-back negative tests, so uh, he'd been pulled off the field during pregame warmups and placed on the reserve list, including Monday night. He's going to miss ten days against Cleveland. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Do you think if Coach K hadn't lost the two non-conference games at home, if he'd still be saying that? Probably not. Okay. That's, I just wanted you to say it, not me. So, I, uh, look, here's, here's my deal on it. I think we'd have a whole lot more problems if we weren't playing games. Alabama coach Nate Oates calling out Mike Krzyzewski right there with help from a reporter. Krzyzewski doesn't think they should be playing through the holidays. It's not the right thing to do. Duke is 2-2 two and two with a couple of home losses in non-conference games. They've canceled their non-conference. Slip. They have canceled their non-conference, although they do have a conference game before Christmas. 
So yeah, they're gonna play it. Yeah, they're gonna play the conference game, but not the non-conference. So this is uh, shades of Clemson and Florida State in football. Uh, if that's what you believe, and your players are fine with it, and your uh, school administration is fine, don't do it. Utes and Cougars, 4 o'clock, Marriott Center on BYU-TV. The Utes are 2-0, BYU is 5-2. Some intrigue going into this one, PK. We know a little bit about both teams. There's glimmers of hope for both teams. We feel like both teams need to improve going forward. So what will happen when you put them together and stir in a, a little emotion in the rivalry on top of it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I want to see who's better on this particular afternoon. I'll be watching this game for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Utes, BYU, and Utah, I mean, it's not going to thwart anybody from achieving their season goals, but still, it's it's a big game, and, and get an opportunity to see Utah under a little better competition, and BYU, after they lost to SC, they rebounded nicely against St. John's, and so, obviously, they lost to Boise the other night. How are they going to come back? 2-0 Weber State had their game with 2-3. Utah State scheduled for tomorrow. Canceled due to COVID issues with the Aggies. Weber State picking a game up on the fly. They're going to be at Boise State Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. So, like football, mixing and matching matchin in college basketball. We've already yeah. seen it, so we're seeing more of it now. And Wyoming will play UVU in Orem at the UCCU Center Saturday at 2 o'clock. Wyoming's off to a 4-1 and one start. UVU's 2-2. Two and two. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Comeback Players of the Year. Daniel Bard in Colorado and in Kansas City at Salvador Perez. Perez returned from undergoing Tommy John surgery. Three, hit 333, 11 homers, 32 ribbies. We're used to Tommy John surgery with pitchers, but here we got it with a catcher, PK. But nonetheless, they can rebuild him. They've got the technology. Uh, yeah, and he, he was, he's been a good player for, for the Royals for a good while now. The Bard one is really a great story. I mean, out of out of the big yeah. leagues for seven years? That, that wow. That, who's out of the big leagues for I, seven yeah. years? People who are done, that's who. Really? I, I, I was out of the big leagues for seven years. <laughs> He had announced his retirement in 2017. I mean, that's, that, that is a wild story. What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider announcer, Pac-12 Network analyst. He's going to join us at 730. David Locke at 8 o'clock. Brian Howell at 9 o'clock. Colorado Buffalo's beat writer for Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera here at 9 o'clock to look ahead to tomorrow's game. Lincoln's coming up next. Stay with us. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. David Locke with us. What's the biggest question about this Jazz team you're looking forward to being answered? We made the offensive paradigm shift last year, and it worked. We were the number one offensive team after getting Jordan from December 24th till the stoppage of play. Now we've added favors with the hope of bringing back the number one defensive unit we had in the past. But Derek Favors was on the floor with Jay Crowder for virtually every minute of that season. Rudy Gobert was not on the floor. How important was Jay Crowder and Ricky Rubio and those other players of that defense? That's the biggest question that I have. It's not just sticking Derek Favors back in that unit because the other players around him aren't as good defensively as the players that Derek Favors was playing with. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
Football Fridays here on the Zone Sports Network and coverage of the Raiders game against the Colts on Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. Same great features and benefits now with silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Time to welcome in Lincoln Kennedy. You hear him on Raiders games right here on the Zone Sports Network along with Brent Musburger, and he's a Pac-12 Network analyst. That's how we originally started talking to him. But hey, things evolve over time. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy holidays to you and all your listeners. I don't know why this is, and it's something that's wrong with me, but for whatever reason, I expect college athletes to be all emotional, riding the roller coaster inside of games. And with pros, I expect almost nothing bothers them. They've seen it all. There's swings inside of games and inside of seasons, and I just expect them to roll through it. But I feel like the Raiders haven't been the same since they played the Chiefs the second time. I feel like they're a much better team, and I'm not seeing it. Uh, did I overestimate the Raiders? Has the, is that the game with the Chiefs taken something out of them? What's going on? Well, here's the thing. Um, as I look back, uh, the game with the Chiefs exposed some of their tendencies and their predictability. And it has always, not always been, it's been a usual uh, routine late in the season where Gruden's, especially offensive play calling, has become somewhat predictable. And that's what you see. The Chiefs prepared for, um, were ready. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo, defensive coordinator, good good guy, nice nice man for a friend of mine. He, uh, he prepared well for what the Raiders do running the football. And he took those runs away. The Raiders are still able to complete passes and stay in the game. But... You saw the following week against Atlanta that Atlanta took them out of the run game altogether. They prepared for their runs. They stopped their their signature runs, and the Raiders didn't have a recourse. I thought with the Jacobs injury going into the New York Jets game that the Raiders would be a little bit more creative. They might open up and try some things different because Devontae Booker was going to be their running back. Well, they did to a degree, but it wasn't efficient enough. They ran the same play like five or six times and then tried to run play action off of it. I don't even know if they if they completed the pass, but it was uh, it was an easy call from my vantage point because I saw that it was happening. And this is a problem. This is a staple that John Gruden normally gets in. Um, so from that point forward, there's my point is that in the last three games, there's been a considerable lack of balance on offense. This offense needs to run the ball well. To have some, to, to have bounce to take the pressure off of Derek Carr, or it's going, they're going to have trouble winning. I.e., last second, you know, touchdown, help, uh, you know, long pass for a touchdown uh, to beat the to beat a team that you should have beat, uh, the New York Jets. That puts them in a position they are right now. So going forward, they either got to get more creative or they got to get less unpredictable uh, when they're out there because right now the defenses have a key on what the Raiders like to do run wise. So. Is it reserved only for Brent Musburger to be able to call you Big Link? No. no. Okay, Big Link. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a little weird, but I like that. Yeah, he did it. of course. <laughs> <laughs> so we had, the, obviously, the controversy with the Jets and the blitzing right. at the end of the game and then the subsequent firing of the defensive coordinator. What's your take on that? Greg Williams is a scapegoat. Greg Williams, you know, I think the Raiders had 64. Four plays, sixty-seven plays, somewhere around there. Offensive, he blitzed on over forty of them. Why are you surprised he blitzed on the last one? This is what he's always done. This has been his signature. I mean, so the fact that Adam Gase decided to fire him afterwards just made him a scapegoat. He wanted to fire somebody of his crew because he knows he's on his way out and wanted to try to make it seem like because he had pretty much after that game. Uh, if you listen to the excerpts of the the players, the the, the, the locker room was pretty much lost. Greg Williams lost the locker room. 
because the players felt that they had that game. And this is why when you talk about tanking, it's so hard to, to convince me that players are tanking for the same fact that you know coaches can tank because coaches can put them in a bad position. That was a bad position. There was no reason for Greg Williams to blitz. Had no reason. You, 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 you didn't need it. You could just sit back. They need a touchdown to beat you. You could sit back and give up yards and run the clock out. They didn't have any timeouts. So, but, but players aren't going to go, well, you aren't going to the locker room and say, hey, man, hey, hey uh, DJ PK, I don't want you guys to play your best today because we're, we're, we're trying to get this first-round pick. <laughs> that doesn't happen. So, so uh, you know, I, I just thought he was made, made a scapegoat. Yeah, I always figure that you've got to sit players if you're going to impact a game. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter if it's NFL or NBA because players are not invested in bringing in young players to take away their job. Exactly <laughs> that's, that's, I want my paycheck. Forget about that. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Chiefs are eleven and one, but they are no longer blowing teams out and forty points and going nuts. Uh, they have played four straight games now that have been decided by six points or less. They haven't blown anybody out since they blew out the Jets and Broncos back-to-back. Is it what you said about the Raiders where somebody figures something out and then somebody else sees it on film and they copy it and maybe improve it a little bit? Or are people catching up to them a little bit? Or they know they're in the playoffs and we're just seeing 80% of the Chiefs and that's why No, I do believe people are catching up with them a little bit. If you go back a year ago when they played the Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship, Tennessee kind of threw a little wrinkle at them. No one really expected. Let's rush three and kind of spy, drop eight. And they, they really tried to cloud the middle, uh, clog up the middle with a, their zone or, or you know, hybrid men, uh, man coverages. I think people like the, uh, Belichick, when they played New England, took it a step further. The Raiders used it when they played them. They beat them the first time in week five. So kind of people are starting to get a little bit of what they can do, what they can do against this team. And, and it's, you know, the teeth of their game has been able, the ability to stretch the field and come underneath Travis Kelsey. And, you know, people have found a way to get, uh, take that away a little bit. More importantly, people have also found a way to get pressure on Patrick, uh, in various ways, which always deters a good quarterback. So I think everybody's kind of catching up. It's not going to be those blowout games, but still Kansas City's in, in the driver's seat. I, I still think they're a better AFC team than, than Pittsburgh, uh, as far as a Super Bowl caliber team. Team, so um, they're, they're still holding now. So we saw Sam Darnold. You had an opportunity to get him up close, and looks like the Jets going to have the number one pick. We know Trevor Lawrence is out there. Uh, should they be peddling Sam, uh, Sam Darnold? Do you think he's got a future in the NFL? I do think he has a future in the NFL, and and I'm see, I'm probably in the minority here where I think of this this type of mindset. Now, play with me if you will. If you're the Jets. Okay, and you say that you want, uh, or you you know, right now you hold the number one pick. Wouldn't it be right now? They've got eleven picks in the the twenty one draft, which includes two first rounds, one second round, and two or three third rounds. Get two or three, something like that, third rounds. So just play with me for a moment. Uh, if you're the Jets and you're holding on the number one pick. You trade Sam Darnold to, let's say, the 49ers, because I think that's where he's going to end up going out west anyways. Uh, goes to the 49ers, you get more draft choices. Then you take that number one pick, and you trade back to somebody who really wants Trevor Lawrence, because there is proposed to be five quarterbacks that can go in the first round. I say that to say this. You can make out, you can, you, this, this, this Jets team has a lot of holes it needs to fill. And I don't think Adam Gase is going to be there. Um, uh, but even if, if he found naked pictures ownership and they was able to keep him, um, I think that it would behoove them to just turn over this roster. Do like Miami, do like the Raiders, turn over this roster, go com- as young as you could possibly do with playmakers and, and, and start fresh there. 
Um, and of course, I've been you know talking about this for the last couple of weeks because I think it it's, it it makes sense. It's logical if you want to go that route. Uh, I think you can make a big impact and, and just get away like gangbusters with a bunch of draft choices and totally rebuild this team. So with quarterbacks getting traded and lots of guys getting drafted, what should the Saints do here going forward? Do you think they try to bring Breeze back for a year? Do you think they help him out the door? Maybe he just goes on his own, so it's easy. Has Taysom Hill shown you enough that you trust the franchise to him and say, hey, you were 3-0 and as a, as a backup quarterback getting the start? Or does this come down to really the star here is the Saints coaching staff? Because those guys are now 8-0 and with a backup quarterback over two years, and nobody does that. I think you have to move on. Because I, I'm sure you guys will agree, even when uh, Drew Brees was in there, he wasn't he he wasn't as strong as he was in years past. Age is beginning to catch up with him. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And in yeah. another year, it's only going to yeah. show more. Yeah. So so rather than ha- having the the, the painstaking uh, of just you know watching a quarterback sort of collapse in front of you and then doing away your season, you've already proven that you can win. Just you know, offer Drew something. Hey, you, why don't you come work in assistant coach, or you know, take a year off, enjoy yourself, then come back. You know, but uh, but but show him the door because it's time to move forward. If you don't, it's forever held over your head. You see what I'm saying? It's 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 it for, forever affects you. Now, who knows how far the Saints go? Um, if if they go like they've gone into playoffs, exit playoffs, you know, you might you might have Sean Payton who's crying for another year for for Drew to come back. But I think he's already shown that they can move on and they can win without them. It's time to it's time to make it official. So at the college level, Lincoln, we've seen the ACC and men rules, obviously the Big Ten, to favor their teams, to put them in a best position to get in the playoff. And we got the Pac-12, and you could have an undefeated Colorado, you could have an undefeated SC, and have an opportunity to have two undefeateds play next week in the final. But they're saying, nope, we're not changing the rules. And I just can't defend the Pac-12 management anymore why in the world are they doing this to me, it seems like, and potentially harming their own product? Stubbornness. It's been that way. It's been it's stubbornness. Uh, and, and I honestly think until they figure out a way to get a either commissioner or someone to overlook entire, you know, Division One football or whatever they call it, FBS, it's going to always be this way. I mean, the Pac-12 has not done itself any favors by one not being able to stand up to the to, you know to be a you know a, con- a consistent playoff contender, uh, but two also losing you know valuable bowl games in the past and and you know for Washington what they did when, during their run, uh, not making it it's just not the Pac-12 is just not respected unanimously, and then the Pac-12 does this on their end. It makes it hard. I mean, it really makes it hard to to even defend them. And I'm right there with you. You you, you can't. It's it's stubbornness from the TV package of the Pac-12 and everything else. It's stubbornness. So is there any chance that Utah upsets Colorado? I mean, it's only a two- or three-point spread. It's not that big an upset. And actually, yeah. <laughs> it's the same with UCLA and USC. Do you think either one of those teams win? Because at least, even though we know they were knuckleheads and they're stubborn, at least they don't end up with two undefeated teams because either UCLA or Utah comes through and, and beats one of the undefeateds. Do you like yeah, one team's uh, yeah, chance more than the other? Yeah, I think these things kind of even themselves out. We, we'll, we won't necessarily you know, have to uh, be trying to defend an undefeated by the end of the season in the Pac-12. Oh, so so you're saying that you don't think that that'll happen? No, I don't think it'll happen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it rarely does in this conference. Uh, Absolutely. Though... That's that, you know, for me, I don't know how you guys feel, but I appreciate it. I like competition. 
I mean, it's not it's not a foregone conclusion. You know, I didn't like the fact when everybody said, well, Oregon's our best chance, our only chance of getting any representation in the playoff. They have to go undefeated. And you look at their schedule, and I was like, their strength of the schedule is soft. So, I mean, even if they go undefeated, it's not going to have a good – you're not going to have a good record. So, you know, but what I like about this conference is that – on any given day, you can have you can have a, 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 a Arizona upset in Oregon. You can have you know uh, Washington lose to to, to someone like, like they've done in Stanford. You know who's, who seems to be down this you know was over when they came and played Washington. I mean it can happen, and that's yeah. that's parity, that's competition. <clears throat> we put we I think in the media world we invest so much in undefeated, and it's hard to be undefeated. But you have people back east that play that schedule game. Like like Alabama, they they will put one of their big rivals or one of their strong rivals behind a bye or a cupcake, so they're ready for them. You know, Ohio State does it, Clemson does it. You know, so it, it, with the, especially with these conferences that are top heavy, we've got competition throughout the Pac-12. I respect that and appreciate that. And 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 the fact is that you can't schedule them out, and you don't see the Pac-12 doing it because they're, I think they're the only conference that plays nine conference games. So I love the competition. Yeah, the Big Twelve and the uh, actually the Big Ten started with eight, but they've gone oh, to nine they? now. And and the, guess what? Those are the leagues that get left out. The leagues Absolutely. that get in all the time are ACC and SEC, and that is mostly because of Alabama and Clemson. But they're also yeah. the leagues playing eight. The Big Ten always got in when they had eight, and they've been left out a couple times now since they've gone to nine. So uh, people just yeah. look at the final record and whether there's zero or one loss. It's really yeah. not much more complicated than that. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right, Lincoln. Well, we appreciate the time. Thanks for checking in with us, and we will talk to you again next week. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. I'll talk to you. Lincoln Kennedy, Big Link, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You got to growl when you say it. If you don't growl, what's the point? Big well, I'm not Brent Musburger. Yeah. I didn't know if that was reserved. I mean, Bruce, I'm me. Yeah, I know. Brent he's, he's Brent. Brent Musburger. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Brent can say that. You, not so much. All right, DJ and PK brought to you in part by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Get 0% financing for up to 72 months, plus a $2,500 purchase allowance on a new 2021 XT4, XT5, or XT6. Shop your way at Jerry Signer Cadillac. David Locke, radio voice of the jazz, is coming up in 20 minutes. Brian Howell, Colorado Buffalo's beat writer for the Buff Zone and the Boulder Daily Camera at 9.05. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day. What about Utah State hiring Blake Anderson from Arkansas State? What do you think about that? Got a few comments here from Aggie fans. Eric says, Craig Smith wasn't a sexy hire either. I hope we get a similar result out of it. And Kyle says, well, if Jay Hill stays at Weber State, I'm happy. wonder if Kyle's a, a Wildcat fan. You think? Yeah. He's like, I didn't really want him going there. I mean, good for him, but he's got a couple more years out of him. Although he's applied for other Mountain West jobs and been interested in him, so I wouldn't think he's going to be at Weber forever. He's winning too much. Has he applied? That, that might be too strong of a word. 
inquired? Been interested in? Checked out. Okay. We'll recruited for? Yeah, uh, recruited for. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's applied, and maybe it's not too strong a word. I, I, didn't, I didn't say it was. I just asked if it was. I don't know that. Uh, it is or it isn't. Uh, I, I just wonder to what level. I'm not sure that he, maybe he would be, but I don't know that he would be comfortable with the word applied. I don't I don't know that. Uh, but I think there would have been interest there. And, and to me, that, that was a logical hire. But I have maintained that I cannot criticize or praise hirings because you just don't know. You're not really sure what's going to happen until you get there. I don't know that there's such a thing as a sexy hire. You know, maybe Urban Meyer, <laughs> and and that's about it. So it's very rare uh, that you would have something that, yeah, this this is just going to work out to the the way we all want, and we know it the second this person mm. agrees to the job. You know the one you brought up uh, yesterday, Roy Williams. You know, when you have someone who's already coached at a high level and won big and, and isn't slipping when they take the job, I think that, that comes off as... But that rarely sad. happens. It does. It, I agree. I agree. Or someone to that. Like Patino's going to win at Iona. He's probably going to cheat like crazy, but he's going to win. I mean, there, there's enough Track pattern record. there yeah. and just history that this man, he does win, which is why... He can do what he does in scenes from Italian restaurants and get away with it because he wins, right? I mean, if he didn't win, then his crap wouldn't be tolerated. But that's that's a rare exception. The 90, 90% of these jobs, you're not really sure. I don't know what this man's going to do. I know that uh, the what uh, he's won two conference titles there at uh, Arkansas State. It's gone to six bowl games. Bowl games don't really mean what they used to, but well, I think the thing that means for Arkansas State is you had a winning record, which at Arkansas State yeah. is not a foregone conclusion and slam dunk because they're making you play money games. And if you're not the best team in the league, so you're losing to you know the first and second place teams, and you've played a couple money games, you know getting to 500 becomes a chore if you've already penciled in three or four losses. And he's got a string of eight and five seasons. Yeah, uh, I mean having. Literally, I've I'm the only person in this state who's vacationed in Jonesboro, Arkansas. <laughs> well, except my wife, of course. You know, certainly the only media guy. And I can tell you that that, that is such a glamour spot that oh, you should be able to win big in Jonesboro, Arkansas. I mean, they, right. they have a mall there. I don't but, know if um, you know that. They do. They have a mall. <laughs> well, that's great. Good old Jonesboro. <laughs> First time we were there. Very first time, we're gonna go out to eat with my wife's grandmother and grandfather, and uh, his name was Alvis. And we're gonna go out, and we get in the car, and we drive to the mall, and nobody says where we're going. Just we're going out. Okay, it's the four of us. Get in a car, drive there, and we all walk into the mall. And as soon as you go in the mall, everybody, the, all the other three of them, just unspoken veered into Wyatt's uh, cafeteria. And I said to her, how'd you know we were going? No one said anything. This is where we always go. We've been going there for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a given. <laughs> and it was my first time. Subsequent times, I knew, sweet, 5 o'clock, we're going to Wyatt's. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. I had my favorite food as you went through the line at the cafeteria at Wyatt's. <laughs>
So uh, you know, you're flying to Memphis, uh, we, as uh, we did anyway, and then you drive about 90 miles. So it is out of the way uh, with that. And did that several times over the years to pay my respects to my wife's grandmother. Went to her funeral. The, last, very, the very last time I was a pallbearer and laid her as a great woman in uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas. So, you know, if you can win there, yeah, it says something. Does that mean he can win here, though? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I just, I never know on these hires. You just don't. No, and he's had success. It hasn't been the kind of overwhelming, mind-blowing success, but maybe if we knew what he was up against at Arkansas State, we would look at it differently. But we don't know all those schools. We haven't been and to all those campuses. I feel you know, like I know no, a little bit about it, having been there many times. I just think there's so many eight and five. I think he had three eight and fives. He's had a nine and four and a seven and five. So some pretty steady winning. Now, yeah. last season they were four and seven, and that was his worst season there. You oh, know, you mean last? Not this. Twenty nineteen. Yeah, when his wife died. No, excuse me. Twenty. No, this season, 2020. My bad. I'm backwards. Okay. No, he went he went 8 and 5 in 2019 and they finished second in their division and they won their bowl game. So, that was part of the string of 6 years. His first year they were 7 and 6. This year they're 4 and 7. But this is the year we're writing off, right? Uh yeah, and yeah, I mean it's just so crazy. You'd have to look who's available, who's not available. Right. I wouldn't judge it completely on this year and say, oh, my gosh, what are you guys doing up there in Logan? Uh, you know, or at the same time, I, I suppose if he went 11-0, and zero, I'd probably think, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> but if also, too, if he went 0-11, I'd probably think the same thing from the negative perspective. But there is a pattern of winning there, and Harwell is going to have to speak to it publicly as to why he thought, and I'm sure he will, why he thought this guy was the was the guy for the job and and quit saying that they're going to have to change the names on the door because Gary spelled his last name with an e on the next to last letter in Anderson and this man spells it with an o so you're going to have to change it or else the whole time his name would be misspelled and who wants that yeah your andersons and your petersons the ons and the ens that's a thing you don't want to screw that up got to look it up and see having been trained at the foot of Walter Cronkite I understand that I still love the story where you get something in your in, in the mail and your wife looks at it and says, wow, there really is a Walter Cronkite. I thought you were just making it up. I ain't making it up, and I'm <laughs> damn proud of it, man. I talk about it every day. My neighbors get tired of me talking about it. David Locke, radio voice of the jazz. We'll talk with him about Rudy Gobert's contract and about the preseason opener Saturday night. David Locke, coming up next. Stay with us.